0: All right, take your Bibles and I turn to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter number 3. I don't know about you, but have you ever had one of those days where everything seems a little, little foggy? It's a little bit of a long day, All right, Anybody have a day like that today? A couple of you did. I think all, a lot of people, maybe it's something in the air. I was so foggy, I forgot my notes. So thankfully, I studied it pretty well. So, uh, this is going to be from memory. Maybe I caught what Brother Holman had for Sunday school on Sunday morning. I don't know. But uh, we are going to be doing a little bit of review. So, we're going to look at what we looked at a little bit last week. And then we're going to be continuing on. So, this is our series, Spiritual Health in the Church. And we're in Chapter 3 of Philippians going through the book. We're going to begin in verse number 13 tonight. Uh, And then we're going to go down through as much as Chapter 4... Uh, As we can get to, and maybe we might uh, get to the end of the book of Philippians tonight and finish up the series. I don't know how far we're going to get. The one danger when I don't have notes, sometimes I can get off the trail a little bit. And so... Uh, my wife and Mrs. Harvey will have little flags here to wave, uh, letting me know. They, I'm just joking. They don't uh, to, to make sure I don't get too far off the beaten path there tonight. But if we could stand together, have respect for the ring of the Word of God, Philippians chapter three, beginning in verse number thirteen. Uh, you'll recognize these verses from last week, uh, and then we'll read down through verse number twenty-one tonight, brethren. I count not myself that have apprehended, but this, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an end sample or example. For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray and ask God's blessing tonight. Dear Father, I pray that you would give uh, wisdom tonight, that you would give me the words to say, oh Lord, your word is so wonderful. And we pray tonight that as we review these lessons, Lord, that they would not just be mental lessons and knowledge that we can store away in our mind, but Lord, that they would be lessons of the heart. For Lord, we see the Heart of the Apostle Paul laid out through this entire epistle, this entire letter to a group of believers that he loved very much. And I pray, Lord, tonight we would see that and we would see how he desired so much for them to follow after you with all of their heart. We pray your blessing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And last week, so part number one is getting Christianity, getting Christianity. Uh, You know, when we... Find someone that understands us. You know, we, they maybe understand how we think and we have a good connection with them. We, we say this phrase, well, they, they just get me. They understand me and something. If you want to look at someone who followed after Christ and was a disciple of Christ, the apostle Paul, we would hold up as perhaps the gold standard for that in the new Testament. Was Paul perfect? No. He says that here in verse number 13, brethren, I count not myself. to have apprehended as I, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I haven't gotten there yet. Amen. None of us have gotten there. None of us, have, none of us are perfect. We're only gonna be perfect when we get to heaven. Amen. So uh, at times we look at people and we want perfection but you're never gonna find perfection. Uh, you're never gonna find perfection in your spouse. You're never gonna find perfection in your children. You're never gonna find perfection in anyone especially you're not gonna find perfection in your pastor either. Uh, I try to be perfect, I've proved my fallibility tonight, I forgot my notes, and something inside of me uh, told me to take my laptop bag, I'm like, oh, I don't need to do that, I already printed out my sermon, but I was thinking, I printed out my sermon for Sunday, not for tonight, it was in my notebook, in my bag, so I get to church, I'm like, oh, it's one of those foggy days, so, uh, uh, that happens, we're fallible, aren't we, amen, also, can can we just say something tonight? We need to let ourselves be fallible too. Amen. Many times we beat ourselves up. Well, I'm not the perfect Christian. Well, don't beat yourself up for it. You're not going to be. Amen. Before he knoweth our frame, he knows that we are dust. He knows we're not perfect. At the same time though, he wants us to go in a direction. Paul's saying, I haven't made it, but I am doing the best that I can do. What does he say here in verse number 13, the last part here? Uh, Forgetting those things. For this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting the past. Remember the Apostle Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. We see earlier on in chapter 3, it talks about how he was just, he he did everything perfectly uh, as far as a Pharisee. If he was going to trust his own righteousness and his goodness to get him to heaven and earn it, it would have been him. But he said, no. I had to count those things but lost. had to turn them over. They weren't worth anything compared to the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross for us and for him. And so he decided, I'm going to let those things go. Remember, he persecuted the church. He killed people for the cause of Judaism. He killed Christians. He was consenting unto Stephen's death. But he put all that behind. He said, forgetting those things which are what behind, in reaching forth onto those things which are before. What was before him? Christ. Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That is where I'm going. That is what Christianity is about. It is about striving after Christ. We've made time, we make goals for our life. We have a five year plan, a 10 year plan of where we want to be in our job, in our families, and uh, uh, whatever thing. Can I just tell you something? Where do we plan to be with Jesus in next year? Where do we plan to be with Jesus in five years or in 10 years? Do we plan that and say, well, we'll just kind of be where we're going to be? But are we going to strive toward that mark? Are we going to, you know what that mark is? Heaven. That, Mark, is that we have a job to do in this life until Jesus comes back. That we're not going to sit back and just say, well, that's, you know, the world's just falling apart. You know, and that's just, by the way, that is what the world is going to do. However, we still have a job in it. We still have a responsibility. We still have a calling, as it says here. His calling was to be an apostle. His calling was to be a church planner. His calling was to be a missionary. Everybody's calling is going to be different. However, we all do have a job to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we striving for that? But how do we do that? Say, okay, we're heading toward that way. Pastor, I get you. As a Christian, how do we get there? Well, uh, unity is important. Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Now, let's pause for a moment. As a pastor, I thought you said, the Apostle Paul said he wasn't perfect. He isn't perfect. He admitted that, so I have not apprehended so I'm not perfect. But perfect has a little bit of a different meaning than we use it today. Uh, it means mature. Okay? People that have the right goal, the right purpose, right? Now, let's just be honest. There were times in our life that maybe we didn't have our goals straightened around like we should. Amen? Uh, then we had to what? We had to mature and sometimes we just had, to, you know, maybe a parent told you or, or something. I remember my dad telling me a couple of times, grow up, mature. And that's not that what you just want to hear, isn't it? That's just what you want to hear. You want to hear this, some, some uh, you know, affirmation. You want to hear that you're making the right decision. No, this is not a good idea. As a well, oh, I just don't understand why it's not a good idea. Well, you need to grow up a little bit. You grow up. <gasps> he stepped on my fragile psyche no i needed to hear that and guess what i did and that's exactly what's going on here maturity guess what and as we learn by the way you never stop maturing so while i've gotten to the ripe old age of 21 i don't need to mature anymore you're maturing as we go uh Pastor Mrs. Harvey, Brother Mrs. Hammonds, you're still maturing in Christ and still learning. You're still, you know, maturing in your walk with God. Praise God! That's what growth is. It's a growth that keeps growing even when we get to heaven. Amen. So a maturing there. They have a lot of wisdom. They've matured, they have a lot further down the path in their Christian walk, but they are still growing in their walk with God. Praise God for that. But we see here. But as, any, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, be other, otherwise minded. God shall reveal even this unto you. What's he talking about? What was going on before? He goes, this idea of going forward for God. So they have this idea, have this goal in mind. And if you aren't thinking that way, God's going to show it to you. Verse 16, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Talk about unity. All the way through the book, it's a theme. Chapter 1, chapter 2, mind the same thing. Chapter 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ, the will of God, the will of Christ going forward together, working together for the cause of Christ. That's a wonderful thing. As a church, we ought to be unified going in the same direction towards Christ. As a family, a husband and wife need to be unified together, walking together, going toward Christ. Also, the children being united with their parents, walking forward, going forward with Christ. When we unify together for the cause of Christ, when we unify together and we are thinking the same way, what is the great unifier of people? Many times they unify over a particular idea. They unify under a particular way of thinking. You know, we have political parties in our country today. Why? Because people unify under that because of certain ways of thinking. Uh, But that's not how the mind of Christ works. It's not splintered up. It should not be anyway. It is, unfortunately, but it should not be splintered up into different sects and groups of people if we are minding what? The same thing. What's the source of all of that? The Word of God. And His Holy Spirit, if we're in the Word of God and we're following what the Bible says and we're following what the Holy Spirit of God is leading us to, by the way, He's going to lead you to the Word of God. He's going to lead you and He's not going to contradict. The Holy Spirit never contradicts the Word of God, ever. If you have a vision or a feeling that contradicts the Bible, it's not from God. He never contradicts His Word. If He did, then He wouldn't be perfect, would He? wouldn't be sinless. He has made no mistakes and He gives us gives us his word to be followed. So let's mind the same thing. Let us walk by the same rule. Mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me. He said, wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to be people followers. Why is Paul saying this? Why is Paul saying, follow me? Well, what do we see in Ephesians 5 and other places? Well, he's following Christ as and mark them which walk so as he have for an example. You know what? We don't need to follow people, but we do see their example. Don't we have good examples in the Word of God? Yes. And don't we have bad examples? Right? We see both, positive and negative examples. And you know what? Uh, we should see that we see. We should be following Christ. Uh, as a pastor of this church, I need to follow Christ, for Christ is the head, as Ephesians five tells us. And you all follow me, as I follow Christ. So this isn't following Paul. I'm just me. I know what I'm doing, and I have. And he's having an ego trip here. When he's saying, "I'm following. I'm going toward Christ. I'm running towards that mark. Come along with me. I'm going that way. Come after me. Let's work together. Let's go forward." Amen. And guess what? When people start doing that, it, God does exciting things. When we unite together in prayer, God does exciting things. When we unite together in serving God, God does exciting things. And so tonight, let's think about that. But then he says, "Those there are some that don't do that. For many walk of whom I've told you often now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They've decided that they didn't want to follow what God wanted them to do. Uh, They went off into false doctrine, the most common being that of the Judaizers, a keeping of the law in order to be saved, that they must keep the Ten Commandments. Yes, trust Christ, but then you need to be a Jew in order to be saved, and they would go off. And then unfortunately it says here, that whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They got distracted from the path. They lost their way and said that. I tell you even this, and you don't see the anger. You don't see anger, frustration. What do you see? You see Paul's broken heart. so I tell you, even weeping. These were people he loved and he cared about that turned away. Demas being one whom, loving this present world, had forsaken Paul and others. It was a grief to him. But our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So it's talking about the resurrection. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a glorious body. Amen. Well, that, that's the goal. That's what he's looking for, to heaven. He's working there. Remember he said earlier in the book that it is more needful for me, to, needful for you, to, for me to be here. But I'd rather be with Christ. I'd rather be there. But it's more needful for you for me to be here. Now, let's look on chapter 4 so okay we got through our review I, i'm proud of myself i did it in 10 minutes so now we're going to go on to some new areas here therefore my brethren verse 1 dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown so now he is beginning to close the book this last chapter of philippians beginning to close and he has some some parting thoughts my joy and crown so stand fast in the lord my dearly beloved i beseech eudaus and beseech um sin i don't know how we say that but uh, sing tea, that they may be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. A very common verse here, but we see, That there are some proverbs, if you will, that he's about to go through. You see this in Ephesians chapter 5 as well, that you see small things that are instructions that aren't necessarily connected with one another, but you'll see that they are connected. And he's saying, he's encouraging them, rejoice. That's the theme of the book, joy. Rejoice what? In the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We need to rejoice in the Lord. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, moderation control. Oh, we need to be keep ourselves under control, don't we? Keep our bodies under control, keep the flesh under control, but also we need to be careful that we don't let our zeal for God, that we can get in the flesh, even in our zeal for God at times. We can become so zealous for a soul that we can maybe do them a disservice and and push them into a decision for Christ. Even though it's a good thing that we're doing. We can be overly zealous and get into the flesh and those things. But let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Now I want to pause there for a minute. Another verse we know well. And that God is going to provide our needs. We've been looking at that in Matthew chapter 7 chapter six and seven, talking about God's provision for us. And then he goes into this and the peace of God, verse seven, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When does that happen? When we place our cares and our needs and all that we need on Christ and we pray and we give it to God and we give thanks for what we do have. Amen. We just had Thanksgiving, but we're going into Christmas. Right? Christmas is a wonderful time of year, not because we get things, but because of the gift that God gave us in Christ Jesus and giving us a Savior. Then it says, number, verse number 8, finally, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. So what I like to call this is God's Christian thought filter. Because our minds are powerful, aren't they? We can think about wonderful and glorious things of God, the thoughts of God. And then in the next moment, we can be tempted by the pit of hell to think about the most depraved things. Our minds are powerful, but our minds are also twisted by sin. And so in order to keep that under control, how can we do that Of course, we need the Holy Spirit's power, walking in the Spirit. But he says also, in order for a thought to pass through your mind, to be allowed admittance. By the way, we have the power of that, to control the thoughts that pass through our mind. So many of the troubles today that we face, that people become overwhelmed in, is simply a lack of discipline, and they don't understand that literally they can say, no, I'm not going to think about that. They allow their minds to be pushed wherever uh, the devil or temptation or the flesh or whatever feeling they're having to push it wherever to be unstable. We as God's people have the power through the Holy Spirit to say, no, I'm not going to think on that. When we walk out in, uh, gentlemen, when we walk out in Walmart or out this time of year, thankfully people are clothed, but in summertime they are not. Right? Okay, and we can walk out there, and you know what? The devil can say, look and lust, and we can say, no. By the power of God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn away. I am not going to look. I am not going to lust. I refuse that thought admittance into my mind. No matter how persistent they may be, we can say, no, I'm not going to allow that thought to pass through my mind. Why? Because it does not meet the criteria, Philippians 4, verse 8. Those look at this. So, what are the criteria? Find your brethren whatsoever things are true. True. Things that are truth. Well, here comes a great question. What is truth? Isn't that what people are asking today? What is truth? Well, truth is whatever is true by God's standard. Truth here. Now, uh, is it a good thing for us to sit there and listen to somebody that we know is a liar? Right, And that, hey, I'm going to tell you a story about somebody here, but we know that, they're, first of all, they shouldn't be telling stories about other people. Second of all, uh, what they're about to say is probably not going to be true. So what are we going to do? When we allow mistruth or things that are lies into our life, if you hear a lie enough time, what's beha- what happens? Begin to what? Believe it. right? And if you allow the, these lying thoughts... Let me ask you this question. Does the devil lie to us? I said, Pastor, that is a silly question. Of course we know that. Why? Because he's a liar and the father of it, Jesus said. He is the father of lies. So do you think that the devil's gonna come to you and he's gonna lie to you? And he's going to tell you things. First of all, what did he tell Eve in the garden? He told the the devil told lies about who? God himself. First, then he lied about the consequence that was going to happen. And then he lied about what really was going on there, about what God said. He lied about the character of God. He lied about what God said. He lied about the consequences. Everything he said was a complete and total lie. And instead of Eve saying, well, I'm not listening to you because you're telling the lie, she decided to listen. And what happened? She ended up to believing the lie. So she was deceived, but Adam wasn't deceived. Adam knew what, they were, what he was doing was wrong, it was sin. But when we begin to listen, and by the way, that is, that is not to say that women are easily dece- more easily deceived than men. Men can be deceived in the same way. And that we listen to something that's not true for so long. By the way, if you listen to evolution long enough, you begin. you know what, that kind of makes sense. I've right? never had an experience like that, begin to listen to something, you know what, I know the Bible says this, but you know, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Not evolution, instead other. maybe something else, you know, uh, whatever it is. That's why we have to be careful that we allow things into our mind that are true. I was reading a Christian author and said, you know what, I want to know the alternate viewpoints. You know, I want to know every viewpoint and what everybody believes. And so you know what, I have no problem with uh, my 15-year-old reading Mein Kampf, written by Hitler. I have no problem with that because I want them to understand why he thought the way he thought. Can I just tell you something? I don't want to know the way Hitler thought. I don't want to know. It was sick, evil, and twisted. That's all we need to know about it. Amen? And we have to be careful we allow entrance into our thoughts, into our mind. First, it needs to be true. Second, what's where things are honest? So, well, isn't that the kind of the, the same thing? In a sense, yes, we need to make sure we're having true, but also that they're not, True things that have been twisted. Can't the truth be twisted? Oh, yes. It's no longer the truth anymore. It's a lie. But we need to make sure that we're allowing things being honest. To be honest, uh, you know, well, you know, I deserve this. You know, uh, maybe, you know, I deserve this time off. I deserve this. Should we take care of ourselves? Yes. But the devil begins, you know, you deserve this. You don't need to hand out that. Jack, you've handed out five today. You deserve a break. Is that really honest? Is that, do we deserve that? No, it's not honest. It's not upright. And we could go on. There's lots of ways to apply that in our thinking. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are just. God is a just God things that are equitable, things that are fair. All right, we're going to use this example here. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, right, and the baby's crying for something, right? And you know what? You're thinking, you know what? I really, I worked hard today. You know, I really think that the other person ought to get up and take care of the baby right now. And uh, I deserve to stay in this bed, and they just need to do their part. Can I just tell you something? Is that just? Is that loving your spouse? Is it, being, is it a just thing to say, well, I deserve this or deserve that, instead of saying, you know what, I want to meet a need even though I'm tired. I want to meet a need even though uh, I've done a lot of things today. Are we being just in our example and how we think about things? Are we being just in being selfish in our thoughts and in our actions, whatsoever things are pure. Now, not our level of purity, but God's. Now, God is perfectly holy, isn't He? Amen. God is perfectly holy. God is perfectly pure. So, when God is saying, whatsoever things are pure, that is a very high standard there. And let me ask you this is there a lot of impurity today? Is there a lot of impurity in our culture today? There's a lot of impurity everywhere. There's impurities on our phone. There's impurities in computers and TV screens and all these other things. And, you know, here's the question. People say, well, I watch this and I watch this. What's wrong with it? Can we we honestly say that it's pure before God? Can we just be honest and just say, is this pure before? Is this pleasing to God? And if we're honest in that way, then we're going to make decisions based on that. I don't need to sit here and go through a list of things that are impure on there. You watch the TV for about 30 seconds, you'll find something impure. Are there still good things on TV? Maybe. <laughs> Somewhere out there, okay? You know, uh, you know, you have to even be careful watching the Antiques Roadshow, okay? <laughs> you know, they put, oh, this painting. Oh, okay, well, yeah, we're not, we're not watching that part, okay? <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that. We have to make sure things are pure, okay? whatsoever well, where things are lovely. What are, th- what, what are things that are lovely, full of love, Christ's love? Things that are loving thoughts, not thoughts of hatred, not thoughts of bitterness, not thoughts of injury and hurt, but lovely things. How can I be of help? I want to help this person. I don't want to think destructive thoughts. Also, whatsoever things are of good report, meaning things that are worthy to be repeated. Amen? To think on things that are praiseworthy. Isn't it great when someone gets saved? Amen. Amen. Not too sure about that. Isn't it great when somebody gets saved? Amen. Amen. So that's something of good report. We need to think on those things. That's a good report. Jesus saved us from sin and that we're going to heaven one day. Guess what? That's a something of good report. When we're tempted to think down in the dumps and negative and bam, 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 and the devil has got us down in the dirt, you know what? We can lift our eyes to Jesus in our minds and our thoughts, and we can think on beautiful things, things of good report. That will encourage us. That's what mean. David said. He encouraged himself in the Lord. That's what he had to do in the depths of his deepest, darkest hour. Everyone had turned against him, yet he encouraged himself. He wanted to be discouraged, and many times read the Psalms, he was He was discouraged. He goes, this isn't fair. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why do they get away with it? It's not fair. Why does it seem like the lost world outside? I'm trying to do the right thing, and guess what? I'm the one losing here. It's not fair. But read on. What happens is that he turns his eyes to the Lord. You can hear in some of the Psalms that... Uh, David is just venting. He's frustrated. He's expressing his frustration, but then he turns to the Lord. He said, but then what? They have their reward. They have their destructions going to come, but I will live forever with the Lord. What should we do? That we should teach the heathen the ways of God. Tell them the gospel. Amen. Amen. That's what we ought to do. We don't need to keep in the negative place. And I'm not talking about we just need to think happy thoughts. So we need to think bu- rainbows and butterflies. Okay, We have so much more than that in the promises of God. We have so much more than just happy, positive, fake thoughts. But we can think real, genuine, yes, and thoughts that bring joy, as Paul is saying here. Think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard. Oh, sorry. And if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Here it is, requirements. Think about it. If you're thinking about things that don't meet this criteria, kick them out of your mind. Say, no, I refuse to dwell in this area. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also we are also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. What's he saying here? So they sent funds. To him in the time of his need and they took care of him even when other churches weren't doing it they wanted to help out in the ministry they wanted to meet his needs and he is saying I am so thankful I'm whatever condition I'm in I'm content if I'm prospering I'm content and if I'm down in the dungeon I'm content God is in charge of my condition but oh it was such an encouragement to me that you helped me out And that you were a blessing to me. And that I knew you did it out of love for me and the gospel. That encouraged me. That's what he's saying here. As I am content in any situation, but you really were a blessing to me. I don't think we fully understand that when we give to missionaries and give to evangelists, whoever comes through, how much of a blessing we can be to them. Over and over I've heard, you know, I had what I needed, but there was something that came up and exactly the offering you gave us took care of that need, exactly. Praise God that we can be a blessing to people in that way. And then we skip down here. Verse number 21. Well, verse number um, 19, let's stop there for a moment. Verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever. Amen. You look at this. Well, this is the end of the book. Well, he has a P.S. at the end. Uh, salute every saint in Christ Jesus, the brethren, which are with me, greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Let's pause for a moment. Remember, we see in verse in chapter 1, at the very beginning, he goes, don't be upset about what I've went through. I've gone through. He was in prison at this time. He's under house arrest in Rome, and he wrote this. He had gone through shipwreck, he had gone through, we looked at going through the book of Acts, through his long journey, through all the things that he endured. And he goes, these things have fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. It's okay. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't lament for me. It's okay that I went through those things because people got saved as a result. He said that even in the palace, he mentions that, but then he says here, as a result, because of his house arrest and because of his uh, appealing to Rome to see Caesar, because of that, because I've gone through all of that, people in Caesar's own household have been saved and they're growing and they're witnessing, even in Caesar's own household. That is a great victory, amen. And even in the White House today, there are Christians there. Though it may be hard to believe at times, they're there. There are Christians that serve in our Senate and in our Congress. There are Christians that serve in every area of our country, though it's sometimes hard to see them. By the way, the news doesn't want you to see them. Okay? They don't want you to see them. I was actually reading an update from the college I graduated from, and actually there's a Congress. Woman that she went to college there and graduated, got pre-log degree there at Christian College, and she is serving uh, in the United States Congress. Praise God for that. And they're like, well, they won't make much of a difference. You'd be surprised what God can do. But there are they are there and they are serving and they're trying to witness. Don't think it can't happen. Even in Caesar's own household, it's a chiefly they. So they're saying thank you. They salute you. They're saying, thank you. Thank you, thank you for helping Paul get to this place because we heard him and now we're saved. Thank you. You know when missionaries say the people of those countries, they get on the presentation videos and they say thank you to the churches that are there. That's exactly what's going on here. So we salute you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for being faithful. You're an encouragement to Paul and because of that, Paul's here to witness to us, what an encouragement we can be to people. We think, well, you know, uh, you know, when missionaries come in for missions conference, you know, that we talk to them, and you don't get to see behind the scenes as much. And you know, I get told many times uh, by missionaries, uh, missionaries that we support, is that man, it's so great to be here because the people really, actually, interested in what we. Want to do? You know that some missionaries go to missions conferences and they go present at churches and no one stops by their table to talk to them. Very few people. The kids come to get the candy, right? Uh, and you know, people stop by and say hi. But you know, they said your church that people like talk to us and they spend like thirty minutes asking us questions and and wanting to know about where we're at. He said that's that's a, such a blessing that people actually care about what they're doing. And I praise God for that. And that's a testament to y'all here. But it's such an encouragement to them. You don't see it right then. But they say, wow, someone's actually interested in what we're doing. We know God is. But we can be a blessing to so many. And we have been. And I pray that we will continue to be. So as we close the book of Philippians, we look at the spiritual health in the church. Are we? What are we doing? Are we doing it for the right reason? Are we doing it for the Lord? Are we doing it just because? Maybe we ask, well, I don't even know why I'm doing it. i just do it. Do we do it for the Lord? Are we pressing toward that mark, that goal of serving Christ with all of our heart? Are we willing to count all for loss as Paul did? He had his heritage, his pedigree, his education, all of that. He counted it for nothing and turned to Christ and his excellency. Are we willing to turn the back on the world and turn the back on the things that are the most valuable things to us in earthly terms? By the way, our most precious things that we have in this life—you know what they are—the relationships. The most precious thing we have is a relationship with Christ, our relationship with our family members, the relationship with people around us. One thing we have lost in our world today is relationships. Amen. Relationships mean something in today's culture; they don't mean anything. By the way, having a friend on Facebook, if someone's your friend on Facebook, that doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. You might outside of it, but uh, social media is not a relationship. It's a fake relationship. Real relationship is sitting down, eye to eye, Think. why do you think people don't make eye contact today? You know why? They don't know how. It makes them uncomfortable. That's someone... Could have a connection with them. They're like, it makes me feel weird. It's called a relationship. It's called a connection with people. We just want to pass by people, scoop by, and boom, we're done. We don't want to have any connections. You know why? It's safer that way. It's safer. Relationships require vulnerability, and sometimes those relationships hurt. But it's Okay. Because only by relationships are we going to be able to reach a lost world with Christ, with the gospel. That's the only way. If we're willing in to put in the time and really care about people. When we go and knock on a door, does that person have communicated to them that we're just pushing religion? Or do they have the idea that we genuinely care about them, though we have never met them? And people respond to that, and I've said this many, many times over. They know when you're just there knocking your door, doing your religious duty, and they know when you're there because you really care. People can detect that. So tonight, what is the most important relationship to you? I pray that it's your relationship with God, but then also your relationship with other people. Let's take some time, slow down, especially at Christmas time, to slow down on the hustle and bustle and trying to get... Everywhere and do everything and have relationships with people. Have relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your grandkids, with any family member, even friends. Do we your co workers? You work with them every day, but sometimes we don't know anything about them. Amen. We know their name? Uh I think they're married. Maybe they're not. I don't really know. Maybe you haven't gotten time to get to know them. Maybe they haven't let you get to know them. But let's have relationships with people and share God's love in that way. That's very important. It's not the only way. We still need to be handing out tracts. It might be the only contact we have with people. But make sure it's a genuine contact. Make sure it's a real one. Make sure it's one that you really mean. It's not just you doing your checkbox, doing your religious duty. Care about people as Christ cares for them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless our time together tonight. So thankful, Lord, for all that you do for us. And I pray that you would bless as we go into the prayer time this evening, that you would be glorified and that you would be lifted up, dear Lord. I pray that we would remember what we have learned here over the series. And we thank you for it. We thank you that we can see the heart of Paul and how he cared so much for these people and how these people loved him and cared for him, Lord. I pray that we would see the realness there, that it not just be something far removed thousands of years ago, but, Lord, something real and tangible that we can see and let us follow after and be an example to us. Help us, Lord, to have our relationships be real, that they be godly, that they be pure, and, Lord, that we would love others as you love us. We pray your blessing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.